call it. Welcome to episode 12 of Call It Friendo, the podcast where two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host Donica Tiernan watched Incendie and A Separation. As always, this podcast contains spoilers for both films right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. Enjoy! Come, come on Speaking of good stories, fucking great ones this week, what? I was going to say, I think this is the strongest pairing. I think this is the best week. Um, Yeah. One of them, one of them, I would say certainly the best film I've seen this year. Um, I was, but then you've already watched Ansondi, so I assume you're talking about a separation. Uh, yeah, it would be. It really blew me for sevens. Um, but uh, sh- I, lo- I hadn't seen either of them, so I loved them both. Uh, yeah, no, I really loved them both as well. It's just, uh, for some reason, something about the poster and the synopsis of a separation had my expectations. Yeah, it sounds sound shy. It did, yeah. It had my expectations in the, <laughs> in the gutter, to be honest. And, yeah. Science. I think we should state right now that if anyone is listening to this and hasn't watched either of these films, definitely watch them. Yeah, definitely do. This would be a, a good episode to get in on that particular side of things. Also, follow me on Instagram. I'm Money Wales. It's a reference to two Clint Eastwood characters. Which Clint Eastwood characters, nice. uh, Andy? William Money and the Outlaw Josie Wales, oh, right? Very clever. Yeah, just like yes. me. Excellent. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that would be a good time to hop on in and uh, enjoy myself and Andy's abbreviated uh, DVD commentaries. I suppose it's a good time for an intro. Welcome to Call It Friendo, the podcast where I, Donica Tiernan, and my friend Andy Ritchie, you say Andy J. Ritchie. Andy please. J. Ritchie. What? <laughs> is that? Do you just insist I don't know why I'm crack? still doing that middle initial. I have no idea. I have literally <laughs> no idea at this point. It's a waste of time. But anyway. Me I'm and my good friend. Oh, we've got plenty of time. Me and my good friend, Andy J. Ritchie, uh, strike films off our backlog of two watches, um, two at a time, week by week, um, to try and basically get to the end of movies. And I think we're reaching it. Uh, I think we were making incremental progress. We're almost at the... Well, Ward, this is episode... This will be episode number 12. This will be 24 films. 24. And I, how many more can that's there possibly bad. be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the majority of them. <laughs> and actually... I've pro- seen Logan's Run. I've seen Chronicles of Riddick. Indeed. I'm done. Uh, yes, away. indeed. I've seen... I can't even remember the name of it. Oh, fuck. My Winnipeg. I have seen My Winnipeg. Oh, God. Bollocks. Uh, interestingly enough, my, Mark Kermode uh, was talking about it the week after we were talking about it. Stars aligned. Well, it's good to know he listens. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so um, anyway, this week we've had a, a nice uh, kebab special. <laughs> right, exactly. Is that all right to say? Is that okay to say? I think that's perfect. That's an accurate description. I was slightly worried because I have almost nothing funny to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I do ever say anything funny, but this is like... There's not a lot. There's not a lot of uh, levity in these in this week's films. Yeah, no. Fucking I, I, Anson D is hard going. It's a great film. Oh, it is. God, yeah. I wrote something rough. down about Anson D that, and then I read it back afterwards, and I was like, "Is this meant in jest? Is that why I wrote that <laughs> to try and get a laugh?" Good God. <laughs> Um, we'd dive right in with Ansan D. Um, I had seen Ansan D. You suggested it, Andy. Um, I had seen Ansan D a few years ago. Um, basically, 
after I had watched Prisoners and thought right. to myself, who the fuck is this guy? Who the fuck is Denis Villeneuve? Yeah, because I just immediately off the bat, I thought, wow, he's got a real um, sort of a unique original tone going on with whatever yeah. he's doing. It's sort of like, a, I don't know, a, a more grim David Fincher, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. There's stylistically, I don't know. There's certain similar elements. It's funny watching uh, Ansondi because it's just, it's so competently made in every single way. Like confident mm. camera placement. It's like Villeneuve seems to know exactly how long to hold a shot. Uh, he opts for like fixed camera positions and dolly shots, a lot of close ups. It's very stable. Uh, especially in comparison to a separation, which is all kind of like shaky, steady. Yeah, games. you're right. I am, and like, yeah, and both for both types of um, filmmaking, you're watching. It works. You're watching fucking masters at work, like yeah, really, absolutely. really just amazing films. Um, so I'll just dive right into that. Yeah, so I I had sorted out after I saw Prisoners, watched years ago. I also watched a, a film he did. Before this, which is also worth watching, called which one? Poly, poly, Polytechnic. Polytechnic. Yeah, yeah, I've seen. I haven't seen it just because it look again looks fairly grim. That it's like a black oh, and white retelling of the Montreal college shooting in the nineteen eighties. Where oh, it's hugely some, grim. Some guy. I don't know. Does Denny murdered a bunch of women? What's the the lightest touch you've seen? Maybe that one with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, where there's a tarantula. I Enemy. It, I believe is yeah. it Enemy. Where 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 his brain is a spider. Yeah, that's been He's a big Spider Man. Uh, I would say that would be probably my one bum note in, in his filmography for me. Although I know people who yeah. love that film. Um, it's certainly the one like of his modern films, the of his Hollywood efforts that's the lowest rated or kind of critically acclaimed. Anyway, yeah, no, he seems like he seems to just have gone from strength to strength. So leaving out Enemy, this man has made. I think that was filmed. I think Enemy was filmed prior to Prisoners. But came out afterwards. I seem to recall. That sounds about right, uh, to be honest. So he he went to, like yeah, leaving out enemy. He, he released uh, on D, Prisoners, Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Dune is on route, Dune. and Wikipedia is telling me Cleopatra, but I'm not buying it personally. Coming at you. I th- yeah yeah I th- I th- <laughs> no I, I'm not buying it. I would be very surprised if we saw Denis Villeneuve make a Cleopatra film. Um, also, Dune is Dune is supposed to be two parts. Yes, so but presumably he's going to be... get to make the second part. Well, if it makes the money, you know. I mean, uh, Blade Runner twenty four. What, what is cinema at this point? Oh, yeah, but as well as like, uh, I I'm amazed he even got to make Dune. To be honest, I know yeah. the the script for that had been floating around for quite a bit. But anyway, anyway, uh, leaving that aside, yeah, Sunday, on Sunday, um. He, Denis Villeneuve, very accomplished filmmaker. He co-wrote this 2010 uh, war thriller um, set during a war of, uh, we don't know where it is, technically speaking. Um, a lot of the elements of the Lebanon, Lebanese Civil War add up, but we're right. just not quite sure. It's based on a play but it's ba- yeah. a play of the same name um, by Wajdi uh, Moad. Uh, yeah. Which uh, Villeneuve saw and said, uh, "I want to uh, make a film of that, uh, like that." <laughs> uh, I believe that's how he speaks. I haven't. I don't know if I've heard Denny Villeneuve speak. Uh, he do, he's got a big, hefty um, Quebec, big Frenchy Qu- accent. Quebecian accent is that what they're? 
Oh, that was one of the, the first things I noticed in the film was listening to the twins speak. I immediately went, ugh, that's the worst French accent. Oh, what, the, the Quebec one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's very strong. Anyway, Villeneuve, um, Villeneuve uh, co-wrote the screenplay. I mean, did he write all of it? Yeah, he co-wrote the screenplay uh, with uh, Valérie Bougon champagne uh, <laughs> killing this. That's a good name. That sounds so made up. Fucking killing this. Family Bougron Jean Champagne. And I mean, it it, it earned plaudits um, worldwide, and we'll we'll soon very much see why. I as opposed to as opposed to giving a basic synopsis of the story, I'm just gonna dive right in and kind of describe it as we see it in the film. Um. So. It opens up with an extraordinary, like there's so much, there's so much to look at here, but an extraordinary panning shot from a desert to a bunch of young boys getting their head shaved. Um, and then we zoom in on one of them to see a th- three dots tattooed on his ankle. Um, yeah. And uh, you and you and whose army by Radiohead just booming out over the soundtrack. Oh yeah, why well, I have a little extract of that. Come on, come on, my father is my brother. Spoilers for uh, uh, you and whose army there. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler, exactly. Spoilers for the 2001 album Amnesiac. Well, we see um, we see these uh, young boys getting their heads shaved. Um, anybody who knows anything about the history of the region would like they that this is what they would do. They would uh, kidnap boys from orphanages and either radicalize them or have them walk over minefields. Um, so there you go. That's uh, that's the that's the kind of place we're at right here. It's a sort of a. I've been um, watching Breaking, not not Breaking Bad, uh, Better Call Breaking Saul. Bad. No, Better Call right. Saul recently, and um, they do a lot of this kind of opening, whereby well, like a yeah, they just show you something um, mechanical and seemingly unrelated happening, and eventually they'll catch you up to it. And the three, I, I, I yeah, I feel like that functions throughout this film. I feel that's one of the things that I feel that Denny Villeneuve is very good at, and I seem to remember it from his other films as well. Is that he always pays everything off? Huh. Yeah, yeah, very much. Um, and actually, that this one of the things that like would occasionally jar me um, slightly about his films because he's so precise. You know, nothing can be accidental. So if there's yeah, something absolutely. there that's an odd thing, you're probably not getting it. Um, like three dots on a three dots on a boy's foot. Three bo- dots on a boy's ankle. All right. So next we're in a notary's office at the execution of Will to two twins, Jean and Simon, whose uh, mother uh, Navon, no Nawal or whatever. I didn't know. <laughs> Nawal Marquan. Um, Nawal Marquan. So she. Um, we learned that uh, she worked in the notary's office and was very close to her boss and uh, his family. And the twins learned, they, well, they learn in this uh, execution of the will, that they have a father and a brother that they didn't know about. And they are given two envelopes to deliver to them, at which point they're told they will receive a third letter from their mother, uh, presumably explaining what the fuck is up. Uh, the brother. That's my understanding. The brother acts like a, a man. <laughs> 
and the sister acts like a woman. Does not give a fuck whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. The, well, the brother's like, like, why don't why don't we just open the envelope? Yeah, yeah. Can we not just fucking bury her mother? Let her do one thing normal. Um, I have to say, um, I can see that they might have set the film in Montreal a little because um, it just basically doesn't. It, when when that way when you cut to the Middle East, the Middle East doesn't look like quite so much of a shithole by comparison because Montreal looks like a grim ass <laughs> shithole. I mean, I think it's quite frequent from Denis Villeneuve's films that they tend to look, they have like washed out colors. If you're thinking about prisoners. Oh, yeah, yeah. Prisoners. Sicario as well. They have like a real darkness to them in general. And yeah, this the way that you view Montreal here, it does look grim. I've been to Montreal. It was, it was, quite, it was quite nice. Yeah. <laughs> I was there in the summer. Uh, yeah, we're we're clearly shooting in the suburbs here. Anyway, there's all sorts of cracked pavement, and yeah, everybody just looks sad. Even there, we like we'll see a scene in an outdoor swimming pool soon enough. And I live in Spain. I'm just looking at them, going, "What are you doing outdoors, dressed like that, guys? Look at the sky." Um, anyway, then Jean Jean. Uh, cons- I think it's uh, Jean Jean consults her her mathematics boss. I'm going to say, uh, who's going to hook her up. Mathematics boss, I think, is the correct terminology in academia. Who's going to hook her up with another Middle Eastern maths boss. And um, yeah. then uh, we see some symbolically dead plants and we're off to the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not before, though, she uh, finds a picture of her mother, which she will use to great effect in her detective work. Um, this scene with the mathematics boss... Uh, is that is that just to give her a foothold for when she lands? Is, I is that... partially believe that's also setting up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's so she has a connection for when she arrives hmm. in unnamed Middle Eastern country that's clearly Lebanon. So she's not walking um, around the place waving a photograph, basically. Yeah, going like, yeah. Have you seen my mom? Forty years ago or whatever. Mm. Um, yeah, but also I think they play up the mathematics angle to later pay off the one plus one equals one. Oh, reveal. I didn't think of that. Yeah, so it shows, and that's when we come to that later and she does the amazing gasp. The <gasps> Yeah. It kind of pays off her mathematical mind that she takes a few seconds to put the whole thing together. Then anyway, we... Come to that later. Next up we see uh, Nawal's accident which um simone had referred to which amounts to her seeming to have a stroke as uh, jean swims in a pool nearby the pool i was talking about and then we later see her i think die in a hospital Uh, and as we zoom in then we're uh, flipped back in time to uh, an unnamed middle eastern country where uh, all the action kicks off this is this like I've, what I think is amazing about this film is it was uh, supposedly filmed in forty days. Wow! Do you, I don't know if you read that? Twenty five in Montreal, fifteen in Jordan. Fifteen in Jordan. Yeah, which is insane. So they shot all the Jordans. Insane. Jesus Christ! Did they shoot? Denis Villeneuve is is a crazy person. He's a machine. Yeah, that's a, that's yeah. A, well, I would have thought it was the other way around. This is what I read, and we all know that it must be true. I mean, for I read it. Well, on some of an the international resource website called Wikipedia. Some of the not Lebanon stuff um, must be in Montreal. 
then. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. I mean, some things that are supposed to be Lebanon are mm. filmed in Montreal. Anything that's inside, definitely. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah, not yeah. going to be, it's not going to be in Jordan. Yeah, yeah, that's It true. will just be always oh, some hotel room somewhere. Fair enough. I'm or a studio, studio sausage. Um, any- I, was, I had the same thought earlier, though. I was trying to piece it together and going like, oh, only the exteriors were in Jordan, clearly. Mm. But I mean, they, like... As well as but there's there's a lot of the film is outdoors in Jordan though, and it's, <laughs> it's and, a big chunk, and it's and it, that's actually very affecting um, the way they do that. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's some heavy stuff as well, which actually fair enough, we'll get to. So we're in this unnamed country whose uh, conflict and timeline bears a resemblance to the Lebanese civil war. How much had you known ahead about the Lebanese civil war before your few uh, furious Wikipediaing? Very little. I haven't watched Waltz for Bashir or whatever it's called. Mm. I haven't watched that John Hamm film Beirut, <laughs> which <laughs> seems. I haven't watched the John Hamm documentary Beirut, <laughs> so I'm as yet not that up to date. I need to know what Hollywood thinks about that about the Lebanese well, there's, there's War. A great That's I'm going to understand. One, it. I don't know where it's from exactly. There's a great. Uh, Has it got John Hamm in it? <laughs> no, there's a great one just Ass. just called Lebanon, where they're just. Um, in a tank for the whole film, but that's good. That's a very good one. But no, the the Lebanese civil war. Um, I I just I'm interested in this area of the world. Christians versus Muslims. Uh, pretty yeah, pretty much. But it, like in a like in a more complicated um sort of a Cold War occupied conflict than the uh, Soviets in Afghanistan would have been. Um, just uh, because Lebanon. Like of all the countries in the Middle East, I have to tread carefully with my words here. Either would have probably um, carefully. Uh, held more of a candle than anywhere else to uh, Israel in terms of like Westernization of lifestyle, let's say. Right. So I mean, they had a, they had a lot to lose, and but the country was basic. Was and the flip side was true of what you would have imagined in that if there was a large Christian population. Um, but mo- they mostly kind of lived in the hills and stuff like that. They like uh, the the, mm. the group we saw. But at the same time, they had a big influence in politics. And then, as sort of lefty um, Arabs flowed in from Palestine, in as, Palestine, yeah. as refugees, and really started to get a foothold in the country. And then the Soviets at the time were very much behind the um, like an earlier version of the Arab Spring, that kind of movement. Um, to just kind of destabilize the country because it was um, it was it was at the time a, like a French foothold in the Middle East. Um, I mean, the way we are introduced to to that conflict here is that we see Nawal Nawal's hmm. what's her name? Her name's Nawal. Nawal Nawal's yeah. uh, the the guy who her boyfriend who mm-hmm. knocked her up. Yeah, the guy uh, Wahab is a Palestinian refugee and is not uh, favored by Nawal's family. And we both, in that moment, of course, assume that Nawal is a Muslim. As a matter of fact, yes, yeah, yeah. yes, we, I assume everyone in the Middle yeah. East is Muslim. Exactly, exactly, because exactly. <laughs> I know nothing. Exactly. Uh, so then, yeah, um, she took a refugee lover and got pregnant. Um, what's his name? Sorry, I hadn't remembered him. He's in Wahab. It. He's in it for five seconds. <laughs> uh, because then, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah her, her brothers or cousins or somebody follow. It's her brother. Follow her and his mate and uh, shoot him dead alarmingly quickly. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yes. And then they're about to shoot her, but the grandmother kind of berates them away. She admits to the... Knock it off, kids. You crazy kids. <laughs> she admits that, uh, to her grandmother that she's pregnant. And her grandmother says, all right, you're going to chill here. You know, have the baby. We'll get rid of that. And you'll, we'll go, you'll go to town. We'll send you away to town, to the town of Duresh. And you I can think, live with your uncle. I think the true, the true horror of what happens in that scene is that you get that realization that people still live like this. Mm, yeah in certain places i assume yeah uh well the, yeah the, the, there's the, there's even in the most i don't know uh well living areas in the middle east like uh, in israel for example you still have t- whole mountain towns full of ultra zionists um, and people mm. like purposefully living within you know the within distance of palestinian rockets if they might just uh, so like yeah that that tribalism is is there for the ground as well you know what i mean yeah it feels extremely tribal mm. this whole scene uh yeah and the baby gets gets born and the grandmother tattoos him on the ankle for the sake of the plot thanks grandmother thank you yes indeed um and thus we know that this is the little boy we saw at the start and then Noel goes to live with her uncle in a town called Duresh, which I looked up as I was watching the movie and does not exist. Yeah, it does not exist. Yeah. Uh, well, it just took me straight to this movie. So. <laughs> well, it's supposed to be Beirut, right? Uh, I mean, the big the big city. I don't know if it's Daresh or whichever. The, the, like, the big town that she goes to is supposed to be Beirut uh, when she's studying at university. One would think, yeah. Um, and then the country is further... Um, indicated uh oh, oh yeah she so she heads to Duresh and then in the present day we see Jean 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 arrive uh, and then like only you know half the people are wearing hajibs half aren't and that would further indicate it to be Lebanon which they would be kind of more liberal with that kind of shit um do you know actually some amazing amazing footage uh, to come out of Lebanon um in the the last year was um you're not gonna talk about <laughs> the explosion yeah man. well yeah i am did you that was some okay. of the, that was some of the most astonishing footage i've ever seen in my life I, when i saw that yeah out it was of, certainly uh out of the corner realistic. out of the corner of my eye when i saw that uh, like passing a tv that was playing the news like for i was just immediately thinking oh my god well nuclear apocalypse is on like it jesus christ that was scary that um, it's certainly the biggest explosion I recall seeing on film and seeing the kind of devastating effect of it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Rough, hard times for old Beirut. Indeed, indeed. Um, by the way, do you think the film is helped by not naming the country? I don't know the thinking behind that, but I assume it's the same as the play that it's based on doesn't, doesn't name uh, which Middle Eastern country they're talking about. But I saw that, I mean, I read online that they, the case, that, or the case, mm-hmm. the story bears similarities to the life of Suha Bechara. Yes. I... Which I'm sure I'm butchering that, but she was held in an infamous prison in Lebanon and she uh, attempted to murder uh, someone that she was working for. So I think a kind of similar type situation. Well, I, I like. I think it's possible that either they would want to avoid political implications, or yeah. that they would they're trying to land the film in some kind of intersectional area whereby it can, um, I don't know, it can express itself for any number of 
countries that are fucked up from this, you probably, this kind of noise. I think you're right. The first, I think it's the, I think it's the former. Like, I think they just don't want to rile people up. Yeah, I saw that Denny Villeneuve took the film and played it in Beirut, and mm. uh, the locals uh, received it very warmly and said, "This is what we need to show this to our kids mm. because this is what actually happened." Wow. So it was clearly Lebanon. Anti, well, like yeah, kind of um, almost, uh, almost the contrary, the the direct contrary to what happened when um, Oliver Stone screened uh, Midnight ex- Midnight Express. Midnight Express. He did it in. Well, he took it to Turkey. He took it to Istanbul. Yeah, and they Istanbul. were grossly offended. I, I've read some interview now to to quote me directly on this. But um, something along the lines of Oliver Stone saying, I knew immediately it had been a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I realized as soon as I pressed play on the projector, I've made a horrible mistake here. Oh, my God. Yeah, don't show that film in Istanbul. To be fair, that, like, maybe be, oh, yeah, like... It's a rough film. It is, well. yeah. I like, mean, it's, it's a dirty, dirty, prison protesty kind of... You could smell the shit on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very banged up abroad. Um, yeah, exactly. Indeed. Anyway, so yeah, uh, Jeanne, when she arrives there, she does some uh, into a mystery Middle Eastern country, does some fairly handy detective work, I must say, um, mm. and runs it and basically ends up showing uh, the new her new Matt's boss uh, a photo she has of her mother and the guy immediately spots that it was taken in a really fucking gnarly prison. Yeah, in the south of the country. Alright, so then we're back to um, the 70s and really starts to unspool here. So where Nawal, as a university yeah. student, is working at this paper and everyone seems fairly concerned that the military have closed down the university. And while, meanwhile, in, in, in seconds, is just, just concerned for the child uh, she left behind, an obstacle mm-hmm. gets them. She leaves in the middle of the night um, and she goes to, first of all, her old village and then the orphanage where it would have been taken. The, ch- the trail eventually leads her to like a pile of ashes and she seems to believe her son is dead. Um, now, like, this is what I thought when she was just wandering from the city back to her homeland. It's like, so... Okay, forgive the immediate comparison, but like as opposed to something like Lord of the Rings, where like the massive <laughs> the massive journey the massive journey here she, yeah here she feels certainly takes care of it a lot faster than that. Yeah. Well, no, it just feels much more real than that. Not just because that's uh, said in Middle Earth. I think one thing that helps it here is is how uh, homogenous the landscape is. It literally feels like she's walking across a fucking country. You just by yeah. just by a little montage, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. So, like, I mean, it it probably it could have easily been just you know all the shot all the shots in the montage could have been within uh, like five hundred meters of each other, but like they're helped by that fact that it, it, like she's just wandering around the country anyway. Yeah. So yeah, then she gets on a bus um, heading across the country and falls asleep and wakes up in the middle of an attack. Now this sequence is fucking is just brutal. It's dynamite. It's just like yeah. It reminded me of uh, that scene in Children of Men where um, spoilers for Children of yeah. Men guys, where Ju- Julianne Moore gets topped. In that, it's just it 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 begins in the middle of it practically. Um, she just wakes up and there's just yeah. dodgy fellas surrounding the bus. You like and it's clear the shooting is about to start. Yeah, um, and like like the uh, performance credit to. 
all the actors playing the people on the bus as well because they just have this sort of terrified yeah. panic like they just desperately want to believe that this is not about to happen um and and then all of a sudden the bullets start uh, start flying start shooting up the bus um and uh, they, then Nawal and uh, another woman a woman with a child are down on the bottom of the bus seemingly trying to play dead or something Nawal just about escapes uh, by crying out she's a Christian and then almost saves the woman of the child on board but the child is crying out and the soldiers realize that she must be a Muslim too and they shoot her dead it's fucking brutal Um, it is like the essence of horror cinema is on screen here where when the petrol starts pouring in yeah that the guys on the roof start pouring petrol down into the bus on top of the people who are either dead or hiding and you know it's shit's about to get bad Mm, i mean it's worse it's real 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 brutality and the thing is it's not um it's not a grandly orchestrated sequence or anything like that it's just it's sudden and violent and terrifying um, I had my um, I had my headphones on and I was watching this on my projector and like this is the closest I've come to feeling like being in a cinema for quite some time. I think that's Villeneuve's power. His films are extremely cinematic. Mm. Like, it's just uh, I think he might be my favorite working director at the moment actually. Wow, a bold statement there. I mean, yep. I, I have to say, like yep. I pretty much do like everything he's done except for uh, Enemy, which I've mentioned and. I don't really count enemy. I I <laughs> am I am looking forward to doing more than any other film yeah. that is on any release schedule. It's the future of cinema. Uh, Dune, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad they pushed it back. And I swear to God, if they say if they release that on some cunty streaming service, I'm, I will riot. Yeah. Have you seen Wonder Woman's coming? To Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be on HBO. Another one bites, bites the dust. One um, film journalist, I, I said, like, people are, are worrying, not, like, you know, the speculation is out of maybe this is the future of where it'll be at. And to put it to rest is like, well, no, they would make way more money if they released it in the cinema. But the fact of the matter is next year is looking fairly, fairly packed by mm. any standard. And, Everything else that's been uh, and stu- pushed back. And... Studios are just cutting their losses and, sell- and selling to streaming yeah. services just for their, for a fraction of a profit they might have made, but at least it'll be a profit. Um, yeah. And they're predicting massive numbers in cinema. I was also mourning the loss of uh, No Time to Die, but Dune much more so. Speaking of Dune, back to yeah. its director's film. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Then we, so, yeah, after that, gangbuster of a secret sequence um i don't know what gangbuster means i said it though um we <laughs> we're <laughs> expecting much worse when you started that uh, yeah anyway we, yeah so we jump forward to uh, jean who's making sort of a mirrored journey across the same country um and she arrives at a village and a nice house um and actually if you're paying attention around this time and you are watching it for a second time which i was this is when the story starts to get um oedipal mm. uh, and what was the reveal there that you know like how did you notice it um somebody somebody sort of investigating somebody investigating their past and basically running into 
running into secrets from their mother that just you know people basically saying such and such is a is a disgrace is about ah, okay and it's hints of it have appeared already i don't know do you know the full story of the of the the the, the play oedipus um but um with he the shagged his mom he does he did shag that's his mom. a full story but correct the, the, correct and uh, there's also little stuff like um the way he he's identified is by markings on his ankles because they buckle. Yeah, I read a little ankles. bit about it, but I've not not that familiar with. But basically, yeah, this is where it sort of starts to reveal itself as it's kind of like it is a an Oedipal story with uh, from the perspective of the of the of the children of the piece. But anyway, we... but then given given that it's based on a play, mm. it's not that surprising that no. it has that kind of no high level. Thing um, that it's aiming for, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the, the Oedipal myth is um, it's it's handy to that's why it's lasted so long because it's just um, like it, it's just uh, the idea of just something, something so milfs, so, so <laughs> something that's it, what it's all about, uh, just so something so horrific that uh, is inevitable and sort of has to be faced and they can be used. Um, like that as a storytelling device anyway mm -hmm. so yeah all the ladies in this village are having none <laughs> all of the them. ladies in this village all the ladies in this village raise your hands say whoop whoop i don't know uh, yeah that's what i felt you were going there so anyway all the ladies in the village uh jean shows them a picture and um is left under no illusions that um Mountain Christians not welcome here. Mountain right? Christians might uh, forgive a, a Mister Beaner from time to time, and she is promptly sent packing. So clearly, they remember um, what uh, what Noel got up to with that Fuji. Um, it's also it's, it's uh, fair to say that this is one of many scenes in this film that uh, just had me going and making another cup of tea. I drank buckets of tea watching this film, as I tend to do while I'm watching anything that's set in the Middle East. True story. <laughs> Or you feel hot or something. I or just drink buckets of tea. Just to calm you down. No. Okay, fair enough. I tend to do that. I did. Uh, when I watched The West Wing, I was in university and um, I started, I switched to uh, using uh, yellow legal pads to take notes on because that's what they use in The West Wing. I just do that. Things like that. <laughs> okay. Mm. I, I, I thankfully didn't copy anything from this film, which I think is for the best <laughs> overall. I don't think there's really anything that you'd be happy saying, yeah, I took this from the film Ensemble. I don't know if you well, know. I, I drank tea. Um, <laughs> okay, that's good. Anyway, then we're back in the 70s and we see Noel get radicalized against the Christian right, um, who she thinks are behind murdering her son, essentially. So she then she takes on a job as a tutor and uh, blows her employee's head off. Um, and there's another, t like, an example here of Villeneuve. I mean, she goes and blows his head off, and we just focus on her the whole time. And yeah. uh, we don't see any gore or anything like that. She is the, she's the star of the show. Oh, yeah, she's great. A uh, Belgian actress uh, who they looked mm. far and wide for. And uh, I don't know if I've seen her in anything since. I, mean, I don't think so. Her name's Lubna Athabal. She's, so she's of kind of Spanishy origin as well, despite being Belgian and Moroccan and, and also etc. etc. Anyway, mm. so we, we continue um, with John, who finds her way to, first of all, the prison where Nawal was held after. We now know after uh, shooting her employee, who was a leader mm -hmm. of the Christian right in um, unnamed country Middle East. 
And then yeah. she has a very interesting, uh, I really like this scene, um, a very interesting conversation with the janitor. Um, yes. In the, I just think that's a, that's a very interesting idea that like uh, you mean, but in the in the modern age, that oh yeah 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 sorry no sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're you talking about Jeanne. Jeanne yeah, yeah. has a conversation exactly exactly so yeah um so we see Jeanne she first of all makes her way to the prison where her mother would be held was held and then um, from the photo of the prison um and then she. Uh, has an interesting conversation, I said, with the janitor of a school nearby. We kind of talk about, like, let's say, the old days, as it were. And I've kind of, like, I've come across different sorts of texts like this before of um, people who have been pursued and would have taken part in tortures and stuff like that. Like, I read a book um, called... Uh, why do I do this to myself? I read a book called Machetes. That's the end of the book. Machete Season uh, about the, um, the genocide in Rwanda. Um, mm. And it just basically it's an oral history of the whole thing and a, a journalist caught up with anybody who would speak to him and they were just, you know, kind of happy. But like, you know, even one of the more striking de- uh, details in the book is he always lists what their current profession is. And like you know, right. there's booksellers and shit like that, you know. And meanwhile, we... yeah, well, that I think that's what happened when something like that, like yeah, uh, yeah, the situation unfolds and time moves on. I mean, you just you move on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's a fascinating little scene for that. And anyway, this the janitor remembers Nawala's the woman who sings, which is the first time we hear her referred to as that. And then um, after that lovely scene. Uh, we hop back to grim ass Montreal. But that's also, but at that point is where the first revelation occurs, which is that Nawal gave birth to a child or children in uh, prison. Yes, you're and right. And so, as the audience, because it was my first time watching it, mm. as the audience, you're th- uh, she. Uh, oh yeah, I wanted to ask you about this. Go on. Sorry, uh, Jeanne is Jeanne is thinking like she's like, oh my god, our brother was the product of rape and was born in the prison. But as the viewer, you're you're going like, oh, you know, my sweet summer child. It's <laughs> clearly it's clearly you and your twin brother. Like, okay, okay, as the viewer, That's you're aware as the, as the viewer. You know that it, it's it's Jeanne and Simon who were born in the prison. Do you know the other it's twist just, already? Yet? No, there's no. Con- I certainly didn't have any knowledge of the other twist okay. at all. Okay. I did so. So I think that it works really well because you're thinking that you're smarter than the film, mm. but then the film flips it right back on you, and you're like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> when they <laughs> give it. you the other twist, you're like, "Jesus!" Uh, yeah, 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 that's exactly what you're like. I'm cursed with never like I remember every fucking film I ever see. Um, uh, so I do not. Yeah, yeah. So no, like it, every detail of this was just yeah. Like I, I remembered all of these reveals. It's why I passed over that one so specifically. But um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, that is indeed that's the first uh, reveal. Um, and then she really wants her brother to come join her. Um, her uh, so we hop on back to grim ass Montreal. Um, and um, yeah, uh, we're with the notary again, and he's gonna go with Simon uh, to wherever uh, Jean is in order to support her. Like so, the 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 notary's place in the story, like. 
kind of confuses me just insofar that his profession is definitely no accident um like no as he's so precise nothing's an accident and Villeneuve kind of sometimes throws me off like this like like um Jake Gyllenhaal in Prisoners what's the deal with the way he is if you get me I wasn't that I feel that that was something that Jake Gyllenhaal decided that he wanted to do like Detective Loki has got Asperger's or something what is it that or he's like OCD or something he's got heaps of tattoos and he's just yeah I don't know about that I don't know why he chose it he's just not who you expect in that position and in like I'm there like why is it a notary I'm just wondering that um I'm wondering is that something to do with the whole uh, Middle East and Rome. I I don't know. I does it not it. just fit here? Is it does it not just fit here because it's like it's useful and handy towards the story that because he's a notary, he understands record keeping and he he mm-hmm. knows exactly how to investigate the matter. Could further. easily be that, and it is convenient to that regard. But I'm just wondering: is there something more to it? Now, I'm to be fair, I. Uh, I've been hung up recently. Um, yeah, as I said, I'm knee deep in history of all of, all of this stuff. I'm actually I could recommend a, a history podcast if anybody's interested. The first um six episodes of or so of a podcast called Martyr Made are called Fear and Loathing in the New Jerusalem, and it just gives um a, a breakdown of everything that happened in this region from the late 1800s to about the 1970s, which is pretty interesting. But I uh, yeah, I'm just wondering. Um, do notaries in this case kind of I don't know maybe represent something like um, Western lawmakers carving up the region? But I'm I'm probably reading up too much reading too much. But again, if I don't know, I'd have to see think about the play as well. <laughs> I wonder how much of that is similar to the play or not. Um. Anyway, so we it could have more literary significance in that case well i feel it must yeah i feel it can't be an accident but i mean fuck do i know anyway so we go back to the back in time to the when uh, noel is in prison and we see that the way they eventually uh, broke her was to rape her one guy in particular um, and then she gets pregnant with twins and then um the midwife who is supposed to drown them does not. This is also directly like lifted from Oedipus. This is how Oedipus ends up living mm. is that the, uh, sh- the shepherd who was hired to murder the baby instead, like buckled his ankles and left him to die on the mountainside. But he, he ended up getting rescued. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what we have here. Um, it's they're, they're It's thankfully not very, um, explicit with the rape that goes on the rape it just happens as a no it cuts away you just see yeah you just see abu abu tarak at the end uh kind of dusting himself off saying oh you're not you're not singing anymore yeah i I, um yeah i i'm not i'm not a fan of that uh, because i find that showing full gratuitous rape scenes rarely services a plot um, what were we watching recently on the podcast where they cut away from something violent and it was far more uh, powerful? I can't think what it was at all. Is it re- Ah, it's Rafifi. It was something in Rafifi. What was it? It was in Rafifi when... Um, oh, the... Uh, which one of it? Uh, the guy with the cute wife. They go to his house and they kind of. Oh yeah. Yeah, they pretty much get um, murdered off camera. But they, they, we, 
It's done in a very, Mario, I think he's called. It's done in a very effective way. Um, right. Yeah, that was it. That's what we were talking about, indeed. Indeed. I, I, Check out Rafifi. What a good fun. Yeah, Rafifi was great. Um, okay, so then, um, anyway, yeah. Flash forward to Jean and Simon now in unnamed Middle Eastern country. Um, and uh, they meet the midwife in hospital and she's overjoyed to learn that they're okay. And at that point, they realize that they were the babies born in prison, um, which Uh-oh. born ahead through rape in prison. Uh, yeah. So this is a this is a, re- a reveal that the audience already knows. Yeah. But then it's revealed to Jean, 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 Jean and Simon. Mm. And then the next it cuts to them just swimming in a hotel swimming pool, like trying to swim away the rape. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, which was a which a great song from back in the 90s. <laughs> And they 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 have an odd, almost incestuous moment. So there you go. Read it. Well, that's it's in their family. This is anyway. it. Uh, yeah. Okay. So next, we're um, we're introduced to Abu without um, without actually seeing him. Uh, if you Abu Abu Tarak. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're introduced to him by. Um, well, we basically first of all his his name is Nihad. Nihad of May is how they refer to him. His well, his yeah, and his that he like that this is his segment is kind of announced, but we don't see him. Yeah. Uh, well, we think we might see him, oh, but yeah. it turns out we find out later yeah. we probably did not. Um, we see uh, th- three or four young boys were um running along a rubble strewn street, and um. Then again, very effective way to deploy the violence. Um, basically, we hear a gunshot, and then it cuts to I don't know one of the boys ducking behind a behind a car, and all of a sudden he's covered in blood um, on the side of his face, and uh, it's just a, like a very effective way to. It's so rough when they 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 cut back to show the kid that got shot, and it's just as brutally mm. like I can still I see the image in my head is how real it seems. Yeah. Um. So then, the, yeah. This is at this point we don't really realize it. I mean, it's not a, it's too much, but ba- like it's more or less confirmed that the sniper is who we're we're dealing with here, right? Yeah. The sn- well, you see is uh, you see the tattoo. Oh, do you? I can't. Re- I can't. Yeah. It. You see the tattoo on his feet. Ah. Okay. So it's clear that it's Niad of May is uh, well. Ah, oh, I think I missed that this time. I think I missed that this time around. And me bragging that I never forget anything. Uh, okay, so I th- we've been introduced to Nihad at this point. We don't know what age he is or when that uh, particular part is. But next thing we know, we're at breakfast with the notaries, and they're recommending that Simone go and meet a warlord. Yeah, uh, they're recommending that uh, he go meet a warlord. They're like, why the hell would I... Jean, like, Jeanne and Simon get a lot of shit dropped on them, and they seem to cope with it surprisingly well. Mm. <laughs> hey, well, particularly him being told, you've got to go meet a warlord. Go, go, go meet a warlord. By the way, you're a product of rape. Uh, and we were born in a prison. Uh, go go talk to a warlord. Go talk to a fucking warlord. <laughs> um, they're kind of all right with all of it. Like... Their life has been completely redefined. I feel like in other films, they tend to show characters struggling with it a mm. bit more. But here, I mean, I saw some of the the criticisms that this film received were that 
Um, some of the reviews criticized those characters and said that the twins are kind of audience surrogates or a plot device, mm. that they're not really fully fleshed out, which I can kind of see those arguments because the way that they deal with all the revelations about their past is just kind of like, let's move on to the next thing. Well, I, I actually let's keep moving. <laughs> Yeah, this, maybe this, that's more this, realistic this I could easily know. be interpreted as me making excuses for the film but i think that's sort of the point i i do too because mm. it's it's narwhal's story it's not about the the twins um and the, the twins do kind of serve their purpose and that's it well i think their purpose in the plot is also to, like is it like they're left with literally by the end of it they're left with left with literally nothing to do but kind of forgive and move on because what the fuck yes. else are you going to do um anyway i did th- i think i did feel like the actor who plays simon is probably the weakest in the film yes definitely i, I was agree not with that. a big fan but he it looks like a, a, the... a pound shop a pound shop joshua jackson right indeed and he was a killer in poly polytechnique as well and um, so i'm guessing that's why villeneuve cast him here but he never used him again in any of his other films well fuck you buddy uh, sorry. So... sorry buddy <laughs> <laughs> oh that's the accent right there. This... <laughs> he was he was he was going to be in uh blade runner 2049 but uh they they chose not to use him after his audition I was like hey harrison ford <laughs> how you doing buddy hey not a red buddy <laughs> that's much better i can't do it properly uh, so two warlord goons come to uh, Simon's uh, hotel room and basically tell him, yeah, come with us. He goes inside, makes a phone call and buggers off with some fucking warlords. He's told to accept tea off whoever offers tea and that'll set him up right. And he does. And all of a sudden he's fucking blindfolded and some, I mean, this scene is, I think is really cool because it does strike me as the way a warlord would operate, to be honest. Um, he sits down with these goons and at this point the whole sort of plot is revealed to him so the warlord mm. tells him the story of this um fellow named abu Tarek, Tarek who um escaped who he took away from an orphanage and became a particularly good sharps who was called he was called nihad yeah. and nihad of may because may was the month that he was admitted to the orphanage and then he went along and worked in the prison where Nawal was being held and was, in fact, Abu Tarek, the man who raped her and got her pregnant with twins. So basically, yeah, her son raped her and was the father of the twins. So their father was their brother. The letters are for the same people. That's where the one and one plus one equals one equals one revelation comes in and yeah as you referred to earlier uh, jean lets out some gasp really really terrific actually yeah it's really because you see the she leaves it like acting wise mm. the choices she leaves it for like a, about three seconds there's a real beat there mm. and then she goes <gasps> and it's just yeah it's brutal it's funny that one plus one equals one reminds me of that whole terence howard thing about terryology have you heard about that oh yeah terence Har- uh, yeah. that one one time one times one equals two yeah 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 he kept trying to push that everywhere yeah that was weird that's a that was a and weird moment in the world called mental illness yeah. i'm sorry to say yeah yeah I, I think he was really annoyed because he had a small penis and something i think that was terence howard's beef hmm. 
apparently he had a small penis in something and he was upset about that anyway so then um once this reveal is, is caused we flash back to the swimming pool and we see that's what actually caused noelle's breakdown because she sees the uh, her son's ankle outside the swimming pool gets out sees him turn around and realize that that was the man who tortured her and raped her not not improbable i mean for that to cause a stroke i think it's improbable for the whole thing to happen but for that to cause uh, just your brain to explode is fair enough i think yeah um and but then yeah then they're back in canada and they delivered the letters to uh, canada to uh to tarek who's now working as a janitor um, and he opens them both in the first letter. I thought uh, he's a bus driver. Is he a janitor? Seems to be a janitor, I thought. Oh, is he a janitor at the bus station? Yeah, right? so it seems like, like that. Um, and then one is addressing to the twin's father, um, who which is full of hate, and then the other one is for yeah, her son, you, you rapist. which is full of love. Um, and um, then, yeah, uh, the twins give her a gravestone, and uh, we, the last thing we see is Nihad visiting it, um, yeah. or Abu Tarek, whatever you want to call him. Let's call him Nihad. And the tw- Abu Tarek is his super villain uh, identity, and Nihad is his just Nihad's the good innocent guy who was just a sharpshooter who shot people who shot children. Uh, the good version. Yeah, then, well, I mean, I think after... I, I, I don't blame him. I don't blame that character. I mean, mm. okay. Yeah, what are you going to... His life would have been incredibly horrible, just the entire thing. Mm. His whole life was just so rough, I mean. Yeah, geez. yeah. And the, t- the, the, the well, the last up. few minutes of the of the film are, like, I mean, in a, yeah, in different hands, this film could be... Uh, just you know, a great big horrible twist. Like uh, I don't know if you ever seen the horror film The Orphan. No, I haven't seen it. A big silly ridiculous twist. Um, but anyway, I mean, the twist here is potentially big silly and ridiculous. Uh, and I think the way the last five minutes are handled, kind of with an odd sort of a tenderness, um, really delivers home the message. Because well, if there is a message. I suppose at the end of it, like, like what, a, what the fuck else is there for the twins to do but try and come to terms with it? Um, I just think in so many other films I've seen, the twins would either kill themselves or try to kill, yeah, their yeah, father, yeah, yeah, father, brother. And like the thing is, I mean, particularly with that part of the world, and obviously there are very popular opinions on both sides of the debate. But anybody who looks into it for more than five seconds, basically knows that just a giant clusterfuck was created, was probably inevitable that it would end up the way it did. And there's really nothing to do, but both sides kind of just sort of drop it and try and try and make peace with it. Um, uh, And this is why I I think like, despite the fact that they might've just wanted to distance themselves from the politics of the situation, maybe this is why the country not, having a name lends something to it um, because it just meant it just kind of that way the, the film doesn't have a flag, you know? And it, right. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's not, it's not favoring one side or the other. No, it's just saying, look at this fucking giant clusterfuck. Well, what the hell can we do? Nothing really. So like, you know, yeah. There's, so there's no vindictive ending. They just try and move on with it. And um, yeah, fucking great film. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. Enjoyed it an awful lot more this time around than the first time I'd seen it, uh, actually. And I enjoyed. I was, some of the some of the criticism of it was I saw as well that they was accused of being very melodramatic, but that's not something that I particularly. I certainly didn't feel that way at all. I find it extremely powerful. I mean, it's perhaps not the most realistic story in the world, but I think the way that Denis Villeneuve shoots it. Um, and you know, the, just the, 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 the way he made this film, it, it lends a power and credence to something that is slightly, I mean, cause even looking at the actors, some of the ages don't really line up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you spend sure. too much time kind of analyzing it, you look at it and it's, you're a bit sure, like, like okay, uh, I mean, also I think that, that it, like melodra- melodrama is in the is in the telling really not really in the plot mm, you like right, uh, and yeah. uh, in terms of uh, the tone of this you could, certainly couldn't accuse it of being melodramatic no, you could i don't sure. know is this an actual word but it's certainly one people say in ireland you could certainly accuse the plot of being highfalutin um <laughs> yeah it's it's got uh probably slightly pretentious uh, origins <laughs> how do you mean well, the fact that it comes from uh, a play, mm. I just mean like the what it's aiming for. They're probably you know like, oh, well, this Oedipal retelling, etc., yeah. etc. Cetera, et cetera. Like, I mean, yeah, they didn't expect it to get fucking Nolanized by Denis Villeneuve. They thought they were going to live in yeah. onstage allegory land forever. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's probably fair. Um, but uh, fuck yeah, really enjoyed it, um, and makes um, yeah makes me all the more hungry to see this man adapt Dune. So the other film, which is your film, that you suggested was A Separation, originally titled in Persian as The Separation of Nadir and Simin. It's a 2011 Iranian drama from Asghar Farhadi about a middle-class couple and their titular separation. Titular. The film won the Oscar. <laughs> the film won the Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film in 2012 and was nominated for Best Original Screenplay, eventually losing out to... Go on. I was wanting you to guess. Oh, right. Best original screenplay, 2012. It's a film that features a lot of uh, characters from the 20th century. Not Midnight in Paris. Afraid so. (laughs) What? Indeed, Midnight in Paris beat... a separation oh for my God. best original screenplay. Like, yes. Although, in fairness, Woody Allen did later say that a separation was the best film of the year. Fair enough. Good on you, Woody Allen. Because um, mm, to be yeah. fair, He's... Woody Allen does churn out so many films. I'm sure even he is aware that a high yield yeah. percentage of them are total garbage. But I mean, Jesus Christ, of all the in- like injustices that people might point to with the Academy... And this would be the greatest Trump card in rev- in just uh, outlining the case that the Academy is basically irrelevant, <laughs> like basically completely irrelevant based on that alone. Like clearly the people who are voting on this do not do not know things about movies. They just yeah. they don't know how to watch movies, apparently. Good God. Oh, wow. They're like, I like Owen Wilson. Who, I like that one. Who doesn't? Um, uh, so other vocal supporters of this film, Roger Ebert, he put it at the top of his uh, best of the year list. Also bringing things back around to Denny Villeneuve, another noted fan of this film, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, yeah? As well. There you go. Yeah. This film cost 800000 US dollars and recouped around $24 million. That's wow. some impressive business. 
That is. Uh, from from what I can tell, all of his other films, all of Farhadi's other films have made a profit as well. Which of the, his films have you seen? I have seen uh, just this and Everybody Knows, uh, the Spanish film he made. Uh, yeah, because they all seem to be very critically acclaimed because he also won the 2017 Best Foreign Film Oscar for his film The Salesman, which is a reworking of Death of a Salesman. Uh, but that one you mentioned, his 2018 film Everybody Knows is terrific. with Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz, that's funny because that seems to actually be one of his least favoured. Uh, it's well, it's it, like it's, critically speaking, it's not as good as a, a separation. We could get into the, right. we could get into that slightly. I mean, it's um, well, I I will eventually watch that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that one has a more uh, pointed plot. I mean, it literally it's somebody is missing, and then a years old affair begins to reveal itself in the search for somebody's daughter. Mm. It's very, it's much more um, soapy, I suppose you could accuse it of being, but I mean. This guy is so good at just handling a, 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 um, a closely shot, like intimate scenes. Um, yeah. That I mean, you you the soapy kind of plot would float right by you. You could never accuse a separation of being soapy. I would I would say. No sir, no sir. Uh, in contrast to Anselm D, a separation has no music except over the end credits. I did not notice notice that at all when I was watching the film. No, not right. Um, also, as we mentioned earlier, the vast majority of scenes are filmed with handheld cameras, uh, really giving you the sense that you're in the flat with the protagonists. Did you notice any other major stylistic differences? What, between the two films? Yeah, just between those two films. I mean, only fucking everything. Uh, I, I, <laughs> like, I suppose one... Um, like, they're just two very different filmmakers, but like... Like... I don't know. This film just gets tension from a completely different place, um, yes. and it it's just it it hits me more in the gutty what's this, like films like this. Um, and seeing as you're asking me out directly, and I suppose we always do get more meandering for the second film. Films like this, well, yeah, I've, yeah fair away. Films like this hit me so much in the gutty what's just because they're like like how to put it. Uh, a, a foreign language film that can get really grounded uh, in the domestics of a place that I do not know and I'm not familiar yeah, with. Yeah. Like if they can ground me there and bring me like that kind of level, house level domestic tension, I think that beats the balls off. Mo like all the fucking born films combined. Like I think that if they can, if you can ratchet up that kind of tension correctly, you've got me more than most things. Like uh, there's a that's that's the crazy thing about watching this though is you, there's a point where you're like I, is it <laughs> you don't even notice it's in a foreign language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, sure. you're just reading the subtitles. Whoever translates it, I mean, the subtitles are very good. But uh, yeah, you're just watching this, going like you know. But in such not, a way, when this is they've got you, they've got you tension wise in a manner that seems to suit the yeah. the world that you're like, for example, I think the square did that very well. I think you feel a Swedish, yes. a Swedish sort of tension in that movie or like you've probably, you know, the Ken Loach film, sweet 16. Yes. I've watched that many times. Like that's got that fuck it. Or uh, there's, there's a Romanian film from a few years ago called graduation that really, really nails mm. that on as well. But honestly, honestly, nothing on this so let's get get started on it yeah. there brother 
So the film opens with a married couple, Nader and Simin, talking to a judge pleading their case for divorce. Simin wants to move overseas to give their daughter a better life. Nader, the, Simin is the woman and Nader is the man. <laughs> Nader wants to stay in Iran to look after his elderly father who's suffering from Alzheimer's. Uh, in a choice. Straight up, question yeah. one. Um, were you watching going, Jesus, I mean, this woman's being very full on for a lady who lives in a Shia Muslim, Muslim country. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did feel that. I was like, uh, is she allowed to? Should she be talking this much right. <laughs> in a court case? Are you allowed to be voicing these opinions? But then, I mean, we, we get a sense of that later on of what their place is within the country. Yeah. Um, and why they might want to leave. So anyway, in a choice that feels slightly peep show-esque, the actors are delivering their lines directly <laughs> to camera. That's fair. It's just two actors talking to the camera yeah, yeah. where the judge is. We also get the first insight into Iran as a country here as the judge pulls Simin up for bad-mouthing the fine nation as it is with his what's wrong with children being brought up here. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So you do get that's like the first sort of knock against... Uh, Iran. There. But it also immediately jars with what would have been my perception of, um, I don't know, yes. life for women in, in Iran, to be honest. Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, so it's these guys are Shia, and Shia are the more tribal, more like um, uh, secular or sectarian? <laughs> Who are you talking about? The, the, the actual the leaders of the country? Or yeah. In yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Iran is a... Simon and Nader, Nader and Simon, whoever, they seem like atheists. Yeah, basically. yeah, they seem... They're extremely secular. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and they're getting a divorce, which I didn't even know you could. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, that's, I mean, most of the... For me, watching this, I'm like, I know nothing about Yeah, right. Iran as a country. I'm thinking about that Ben Affleck film. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? Argo. Argo, Argo, fuck yourself. I remember uh, that's that's my knowledge of Iran. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to see something that's a bit more authentic, given mm. that this was filmed there and sure. in uh, the capital, Tehran. But So the only actor I recognized in this film is Payman, Payman Madi, I don't know how you pronounce it, who played Nader, as he was in season three of Westworld. Oh, I haven't seen season three yet. Oh, okay. Well, he's one of Vincent Castle's goons anyway. Uh, yeah, apparently, he was also Riz Ahmed's dad in The Night Of, which I have yet to see. Oh, I've seen The uh, Night Of and do not recall him particularly. No, I don't imagine it was a big role, but I guess it's probably he's been trading off of a separation. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know the guy's filmography, but this seems to be the big one. Well, I mean, it is a big one. Go on. Yeah. So next, we're introduced to the main location in the film, Nader and Simin's flat, which seemingly belongs to Nader's father. Mm. Uh, we see Simin in the process of moving out. Their daughter, Terme, a character played by Farhadi's own daughter. Okay. Is, uh, yeah, so it's the director's daughter. She's reluctant to talk to her mum. At the same time, a young pregnant uh, lady, Razia, and her daughter enter the flat. Nader plans to employ her as his housekeeper. Mm. While this is going on, Simin takes a bunch of cash out of Nader's drawer to pay some movers. And uh, that was not something that I realized had any significance until flicking back through the film. <laughs> oh, really? 
I did not catch that it was Simin who takes the cash, which then causes uh, problems later on. Yeah, did not, indeed did it not does. notice that at all. Uh, yeah, no, no, I, I, well, I realized it later when he was looking for it. Right. I suppose did not know. Uh, I just assumed that the, I just assumed that the cleaning lady was a thief. That's it. <laughs> Question. Just gonna drop it on you. No class. I'm Go gonna drop it on you there. Um, is the dad an actor or like an actual man with dementia? I have no idea. What do you think? An actor, surely. So he's just... You can't have a guy with Alzheimer's just go like, oh, we'll just get an Alzheimer's guy. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's... You can't do that. It's Iran. Like, mad. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. His name is Ali... As... His name is Ali Asgar Shabazi, and he's an actor. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Point. But it says years active, 2007 to present, so he only started in 2007. All right, well, uh, question withdrawn in that case. Oh, he's only been in two films, so unless in both films. Uh, he was a bank employee who is, before start. <laughs> his Wikipedia is hilarious. Before started acting career, Ali Asghar Shabazi was bank employee who is neither interested in cinema. Shabazi debut <laughs> in film Under the Peach Tree by Iraj Tamazb. He was cast as Nader's father after Asghar Farhadi were watching that picture. This is great. I haven't seen uh, quite such a, a bad uh, Wikipedia entry before. That's great. Well done. Oh, Ali yeah. Asghar Shabazi. Check him out. He's a good one. And he won a silver bear for best actor. For what? Not for this, surely. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Well, okay. Fair play. I, I, I guess, I mean, considering the fact that you were asking if he's really just some old guy with Alzheimer's, he's obviously quite good at his job. Uh, well, then why did he pee on himself? Well, I guess maybe they they wanted that uh, kind of. He, I, I guess he's method. Who knows? Fair enough. Uh, so the next day we see Razia. I her name's Razia. I think the the cleaning lady. Mm -hmm. We see her in Nader's house doing some housework. She's also been tasked with looking after Nader's dad. She finds him wandering the house. He's wet himself, as you mentioned. Uh, Razia realizes she'll have to help him clean up. Faced with this situation, she calls she calls a religious hotline. A sin hotline, yeah. Jeez, that'd be yeah, handy, to ask, it? to ask if it's okay for her to be in the presence of a naked man. Yeah, what what were your thoughts on this as a, a staunch Catholic man? Um, well, I just thought a sin hotline would be so handy. And I <laughs> yeah. also thought that would be one of the most abused positions in society. Oh, God. I would just, yeah. uh, I would just ring random people and just, just go, yeah, don't do it. <laughs> Later on, Razia decides that she can't do the job and decides to send her husband in her place. The husband goes to the bank where Nader works to discuss the terms of the job. Having agreed to do it, he then doesn't turn up, leaving his wife to continue looking after the old man. The next day, while Razia is cleaning the flat, Nader's dad goes walkings, walkies and ends up trying to buy a newspaper. Mm. We see Razier trying to cross the road to get to him before the scene just immediately cuts back to Nader, his dad, Terme, and Razier's daughter in the flat together playing table football, just having a whale of a time. Yeah, I should have been... Well, no, I mean... Yeah, they they just completely distract you from that cut, but that cut is up. That was my question because because I, I remember it being somewhat surprised of going like, oh, because they were ratcheting up the tension and mm. then they just get this reveal like, oh, everything's okay. Mm. So did did you have any? No, I forgot. It, I forgot about it immediately. Yeah, so it's it it's it's effective. It's mm. I think it's a good cut there. 
the next day, Nader and Terme come home to the flat to find Grandad lying on the floor and with his hand tied to the bed. Oh yeah. When Razi returned, when Razi returns to the flat, Nader is angry with good reason. And he also accuses her of having stolen money from his drawer, which the viewer might remember was taken by Simon. I did not. Which she I takes extreme that. exception to. Um, and uh, Yeah, Razia is not happy at being told that she's a thief. And she shows, well, like, I mean, she just shows up as a great actor here because you can really see it in her. She's just like, yeah, whatever, yeah. I'll leave your house. But she's you, like, I didn't fucking, you fucking take that shit back right now. Yeah, yeah, that's like, yeah, she's... I mean, everybody really fucking shows up in this. To be fair, yep. Um, but yeah, there's no that, weak, no weak points. That's kind of her, her, her uh, strongest moment is arguing that. I would say because you're like she is, she's just not leaving. It's she because she's so devout. Like she's just like oh, yeah, you, yeah, like, yeah, indeed. It's an honor culture. Like that's a big thing. Yep. Um, that like and that, I I think oh here comes big intellectual Donica now. I think like that's. I, I, one of the big separations that they're referring to, which is like the cosmopolitan and um, the, the, the couple yeah. of the separating uh, where by the middle class yeah, and the lower class, like they rely more yeah. on institutions, whereas um, yeah. in countries and like in societies, as a lot of uh, countries in the Arab Peninsula were in the very recent history, countries in which you could not rely on your institutions all that you can rely on is pretty much your reputation uh, for your word yeah. so for somebody to accuse you of like lying and a thief that's fucking that's big news you know what i mean and all i have is my all i have is my word and my balls <laughs> and break neither for nobody but i mean like mm -hmm. yourself and myself middle class upbringings living in the western world if somebody accused me of stealing and i didn't i'd go fuck yourself so and just leave do you know what i mean I'd be mean, like, yeah, whatever, dickhead. I didn't steal it. I mean, I wish I did now. Yeah, I, so I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be swearing on a yeah, yeah, Quran probably. I'd be like, I, I like, I wish I did now and I'd be enjoying your money. Like, <laughs> Bring the fucking Quran. Yeah, Get the Quran. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. swearing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, she takes extreme exception to that, and then this is when the momentous yeah, thing happens. This deal to shit hits the fan. So then Nader forces Razia out of the house. And it's funny that you mentioned the square bit earlier mm. because in a move straight out of that film, he pushes her, seemingly pushes her down the stairs. That's right. And then Razia subsequently, we find out, has suffered a miscarriage. Mm. And this incident then becomes the center point of the remainder of the film. Where did you, where did you think things were going at this point wow. when that occurs? I don't know. Um, I... I was just, to be honest, I, w I wasn't even thinking because you're ju it's just, it envelopes you more than any fucking 3D movie I've ever seen. You're just in the middle of this. It's like, uh, like it's, every scene that, that follows, is it just surrounds you. I mean, where we go next from the, is he with his um, ex-wife, uh, they go down to the hospital. Go down to the, the hospital to f check on Razia and see how she's doing. Yeah, and th like this is one of the like first <clears throat> moments of just insane tension in the film that like, I mean, Hitchcock would fucking sniff at, like, let's say, because he didn't have an orchestra helping him out, helping him out with it. But like, it's so real that, I mean, I've, yeah. I've been in that hospital room where you're just watching people going, oh, fucking violence is going to start over there. And I'm that's, exa that's exactly why I asked the question, just because like I felt like I just assumed that this 
film was just going to end in violence. I assumed there was going to be like some kind of reprisal that um, Razi's husband was going to kill Terme, mm. uh, Nader and Simin's daughter, or something like that. I mean, I guess I just assumed that that's what would happen. But certainly what I didn't expect was like a courtroom drama. Yeah. It was not, not where I thought this was going at all. And I think that's... Well, like the thing is, there there I is violence in it in a sense. Um, in the, like I mean, the, I I don't have the name of the actor here, but um, Rajid's husband, who's another like phenomenal yeah. actor in it. Like every time he's on the screen, he's a fucking live wire. Um, yeah, he's scary. Yeah, he is. His name is Hod Hodjat is the is the character, and the guy's called Shahab Hosseini. And you don't know what he's gonna do. Um, and they're, they're, like any time he's on the screen, feels like violence. Um. And we know he yeah. has we know he has creditors and debts and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. But he also seems extremely honorable. It's funny. Like mm. I mean you know, he's not a bad guy. Uh I well yeah, well, actually no Well, I mean he's not terrible, let's say. Well, Although there is a suggestion that he was maybe hitting his wife though. But something de- like de- like along the way you de- at, there's points where you definitely believe him to be lying and it is revealed that he was not. Yeah, he yeah. is. He is argu- arguing for the truth as far as he knows it the whole way through the film. That's, that's, much. Yeah, that's funny that you say that because, like, I'd I'd seen somewhere that this that this film was is like listed as a drama slash mystery, mm. and I was wondering like how on earth that could be the case. But after having watched it, like watched it, it's like it's impressive how the film like kind of builds up the characters mm. and all the events around the push. And then it reveals things piece by piece through like courtroom testimony and heart to heart talks and angry shouting. Mm. But it, it, like you say, like that character did believe that he was, uh, you know, acting. He was acting in good faith. So how seemingly. how do we end up in a courtroom drama again? How does that occur? Yeah, because yeah. they start the legal process of blaming Nadir for Razia's suffering a miscarriage oh yeah he gets charged with murder essentially yeah he's charged for murder of an unborn child and which seems to carry a one to three year penalty or he can pay it off with forty thousand in blood some kind of blood money what i don't know what the figure is or what the currency is or anything but um yeah so he has he could potentially do that and then it just so from there we get the the courtroom is just a little office with the judge (laughs) The judge is right. just some guy at a desk going like, yeah, all right. Um, yeah, and, that, and it has heavy kind of uh, religious uh, elements to the that, court. All those scenes are just like shot, edited, acted and conceived. Like, I mean, they're cut together so nicely and they're so like claustrophobic and oh, they're, those are just incredible scenes, uh, the court scenes. And the film ultimately breaks down into a clash between like a middle class secular couple and a lower class religious couple. And on many occasions, you get to see how Nader and Simon are like forced to pay lip service to the to the to the law of the land, mm. the religious law of the land, despite quite clearly thinking it's bullshit. Whereas you know the other couple are mostly portrayed negatively. Um, I get the feeling that Asgar Asgar Farhadi is not a big fan of the of the regime or Islam in in general. Yeah. Oh no. You 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 would get that. Um, I mean that. Yeah. Like the, and it doesn't quite condemn the people so much as 
they're just no. ridiculous dogmatic behavior. As a matter of fact, like um, again, I've forgotten his name. The 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 husband uh, fellow, the the mad lad. I mean, he seems his name. Boy, the character is called Hodjat. Hodjat is basically cannibalizing his mind with this kind of fucking into insane. Well, although he, we hear a little bit about him having lost his job uh, as a yeah, cobbler. Or he was a like cobbler. Yeah. Uh, uh, he also seems to only own one shirt, so yeah, it's rough going. He's wearing the same shirt every day, and it ah, uh, yeah, that's right. Does not look like he's going well. Oh, I bet he smells. Um, yeah. So anyway, there. I think there are too many twists and turns in the plot to actually go into, but yeah, probably. <laughs> eventually, it eventually emerges that Razia was hit by a car when going after Nadir's dad in the street. Mm. So that was why she needed to tie. Uh, Nadir's dad's arm to the bed in order to go to the doctor. And then Nadir is willing to pay blood money to the couple if Razia will swear on the Quran that he pushed her. Mm. But due to her guilt, she refuses, leaving her husband with unpaid debts to his creditors. Yeah. And, and then in the in the final scene of the film, Terme must tell, uh, has to tell a custody judge which parents she wants to live with. While she's crying, she asks for both parents to wait outside. And then the film ends with us watching both parents as they wait on opposite sides of a busy corridor as the music finally plays in the back. The first music of the film plays over the closing credits. And we don't find out who Terme chose, but ultimately it's not important. No, no, it's not. Instead, instead we're just left there to sort of mourn their relationship and... And they're also, uh, speaking of mourning, I didn't notice when I watched it, but both Nader and Simon are dressed in black, uh, suggesting that Nader's father has died. I didn't catch that at all the first time. Oh, no, I didn't catch that at all, yeah. And I, I, flick, I flick back through and saw it, and then I read something about it as well. That you kind of... Supposedly that's why they're dressed in black. I mean, the, like, the reasons for them getting a separation at all, You at this point in the film, you would be kind of... Like, because multiple times throughout the film, you can see how they would have functioned as a couple, and they're done. And it, like, and also, there's one scene in it where the daughter says that to to her mother, he says, she says, um, he doesn't know that you had never any intention of leaving. Right, so, that's real. some of some of that stuff is 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 excellent. I mean, it's mm. so and so watching how watching how it all um, affects Terme, the daughter, mm. and also how she's has to deal with she has to lie to the judge at one point. Oh she yeah, her, she understands that her father has lied, and she just has to deal with all the shit from both of her parents. Like, I mean, it's just it's. You you feel you like you were saying like I mean it's you feel the sort of heavy punches of all this drama, and that's why the film works so well. Um, and there like you couldn't you couldn't find two styles of filmmaking so disparate and yet mastered in these two cases like completely. Yeah. Like Villeneuve so completely like clean and focused and planned and I, I, while I'm sure like this film is so grandly orchestrated like he appears to have like the talents of someone like francis ford coppola in um orchestrating natural looking scenes at the same time like i've seen like i i've seen um you know i don't know what (laughs) i've seen i was i'm gonna follow through what i was gonna say i have seen making of (laughs) makings of ken loach films is what i was gonna say but it's relevant because like the the, okay. the way they sort of shoot that, like they have these body cams 
and they're like it takes them a good day of just rehearsal and semi-improvised takes to figure out their blocking and their blocking is basically just don't film another cameraman and then that's it's funny now that you've mentioned it i mean you mentioned it mm. before about the similarity with something like sweet 16 Mm. it does that's Ken Loach is probably the filmmaker that feels the most similar that I've seen that I can recall similar to what Far Farhadi is doing here. Well, it's it's modern neorealist cinema essentially. I mm. mean, they're like, and that the, the the tension that they get you with is like, I hate saying <laughs> like you get a lot of um, quote unquote realist dramas being released over here in Spain, but they they never quite nail this shit that is nailed in a separation or yeah. the, 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 what Ken Loach really gets down, which is mm-hmm. that if you like, if you breathe enough life into the, into the worlds you're showing by way of, I don't know, lo- allowing the actors to improvise or shooting in a certain way or using your locations, right. Um, and that like you, you believe any plot if that environment kind of sets it in motion and then your tension you couldn't create that fucking tension with a million cuts and orchestras. Do you know what I mean? If like you can get it yeah. like down, like yeah, getting back to something like Sweet Sixteen. You know the the scene, and it's it's like terribly done in Sweet Sixteen. Spoilers for Sweet Sixteen, guys, where he stabs his his mother's boyfriend, and like yeah. it's you don't see the entry wound renting, but it just by the the world that Ken Loach has built up. I defy anybody to not gasp when that happens. It's just like, it's, yeah. it's fucking hardcore. And like in the same in this, when um, I'm going to try Hajib, what's his name? The, uh, Hodja. When Hodja starts like slapping himself on the head and stuff like that. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's painful. Like it's real, real mm-hmm. uh, poignant stuff. So I fucking loved this anyway. Um, I love both. It's funny because like both of these films, Mm. both of these films have been heavily linked in my head at the very least. Because I like when you said you'd picked some, you guessed it straight away. What you, yeah, I guess what you picked because I just, I think they're both in the IMDb top two hundred and fifty. Although obviously that website now is a pile of shite compared to what it used to be. But um, is it? Has something happened? Explain it to me after. I'll just they well just to say that like. It used. I feel like it used to be a better metric of whether a film is good or not. I, they got rid of okay. a lot of the main features of the website. It used to have a forum section that was really good. Oh. I mean, it also had a lot of spamming shite on it, but you could find a lot of good film is chat like on there the, for a specific film. Is it something along the lines of uh, the Modern Library's Top 100 Books fiasco? Probably yes. Just yeah, that shite. As there's certain things that are yeah. way too high. Up. Elron, I mean, Elron Hubbard all... the best books of all right, time. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 As we, we mentioned last week, but you're um yeah. There, there's a clear like kind of like recency bias to mm. things like that also. But um anyway, mm. like they're both on the IMDb top 250 and kind of similar positions. They have similar scores they came out around the same time they're centered on the middle east but what they show and how they're how they show it is couldn't be more different (laughs) yeah and yet uh but i think they work quite nicely as a double bill but they did yeah um for all sorts of reasons like as i've already mentioned like you couldn't find two styles more um yeah. Like, uh, just not quite opposed to each other, but at opposite ends of the spectrum. And then, um, yeah, like, 
different sort of settings you've got one like showing the the conflict like actual war zone the conflict and then the other is literally about like social conflicts and uh, yeah mm-hmm. great stuff really it's crazy crazy to crazy to think that some weeks we'll be watching stuff like logan's run <laughs> and we could be watching things like this but yeah i guess you need the shite to to make the good stuff really stand out you do need the shite and also i mean we had to i think we both agree we had to watch windy city heat at some point and now that's done we know we've both yeah it's done never let us never speak of it again (laughs) although i'd be happy to you know see perry what's his name doing something again scary perry scary Perry, and windy city heat too i can't wait indeed um yeah but i'll definitely check out more of farhadi's films yeah uh, asgard me too asgar asgar farhadi yeah asgar farhadi yeah, indeed yeah i'll definitely check out some of his other films they look quite intriguing right so are you ready to fucking win a coin toss again probably i have a coin good seeing as you did it last time uh my film for next time that i selected is mary and max which is from a 2009 Australian animated film with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tony Collette. I had never heard of it, but when I was looking at Ansondi in a separation on the IMDb top 250, I saw that Mary and Max was on there mm. and I clicked on it and I said, an animate, an Australian animated film with Philip Seymour Hoffman. What the fuck is this? And I actually read yeah, what it's about and how it was conceived and it does sound fascinating. Uh, yeah it's uh, about... plus it's only about 82 minutes long or something yes indeed um and mine unfortunately far outstrips that what i'm bringing to the fore is a uh, 2018's uh, apostle gareth evans a uh, horror film that he produced for netflix uh this if i if we end up watching this i'll have officially seen everything uh, the man's ever done would you like to be 50 or cervantes give me 50 okay I'm not looking at the coin. Let's. Da, da, da. Ooh, it is fifty. Fuck yes! <laughs> mm. I'm I'm happy that you finally won. I'm I'm happy for you because it was getting it was getting ridiculous. I was just like I I have to uh, talk about the film second every single time. <laughs> it just became like this weird thing. And also, I have to say that there has been no surprise for me in weeks because yeah, I, I yeah okay. So, uh, what's your response, film, to uh, Gareth Evans' Apostle, which we'll be watching this week? All right, what is your response going to be to Gareth Evans' Apostle, which we'll definitely be watching this week because I fucking won. Yes. Well, I haven't seen any of uh, Gareth Evans' other films, but I yes, did... you have. What? Have you not seen the the raid? I haven't seen raid or raid two. No, I haven't. What? I haven't seen any oh, of those you, things. But I will. I will watch those eventually. But I knew that you had already seen those. I just. Mm. I would. I, that's obviously the kind of thing that I knew you would definitely have watched. So I wasn't going to select any of those for that reason. Plus, also, I felt like thematically they'd be so different than this film, seeing as it's a horror film. Mm. So instead, I decided to go down the road of killing two birds with one stone here. I wanted to, because uh, this film, The Apostle or Apostle, was uh, produced for Netflix. So I decided Mm -hmm. that I would go down the road of something else that was produced for Netflix in the horror genre. Any ideas what it might be? I'll get this. This will help you out. Uh, I'm a big fan of Mike Flanagan of Doctor Sleep, and I enjoyed The Haunting of 
of Hill House, although I haven't watched the second season of Haunting of Bly Manor. So Mike Flanagan's uh, adaptation of the Stephen King story, Gerald's Game. Oh, I've yet to watch that. Okay, mm. great. So I yeah, decided that. that that would be my companion choice. Nice. All right. So and both of these Netflix. films are on Netflix, both on Netflix. So, yep. No yeah, watch along excuses. on Netflix, fuckers. Yeah. 